Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 25. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Tuesday. Steelers Nation, the Pittsburgh Steelers getting their first win of the year, 26-22, over the Cleveland Browns on Monday night. And Dave, I usually start with the question, where do you want to begin? I'm truly asking that today because I have no idea where to begin with this game. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what we all just witnessed last night. I don't know. I just take it away, Dave. I'm out of words here. All right. I will start with this. I feel like I need another shower and I've yet <laughs> to have another shower. <laughs> oh, that's a good uh, summation of this game. And uh, it feels like we could do four hours today and it not be enough. Uh, and within that four hours, it would bounce more erratically around than it normally bounces around but i mean we'll, we'll we'll try to get this done i think in about an hour today because i mean uh, we still want to get the boat boat all the way through to all 22 film and and there's so much stuff to write about today and but uh uh gloom despair and agony on a w how's that <laughs> it's it's something for sure so apologize in advance if i miss something there is as you said so much to talk about I, frankly, I'm still struggling to even know where to, to honestly begin in this one. Again, Pittsburgh getting the win 26-22. If you, if you had to have one singular takeaway about this game, about, about this victory, Dave, what would it be? Uh, w. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I, and I said the other day, didn't I? It's going to be an ugly, an ugly yeah. win. Uh, he it. Uh, it was, it was, it was hard to watch. Uh mm-hmm. Uh, from from both sides of the fight, you know, outside of you know, obviously some defensive plays there, man. The uh, the the way that thing got started, you thought, oh wow, they're going to take it. They're, I mean, games that usually start off like that for the Steelers usually snowball and and all like that. Uh, my main takeaway is somehow they managed to find a way to win this game. Uh, it was just typical. My wife says, yeah, all those games are like that for you guys. You know, why, why is it all of them are like that? You know, she's right. It just, you know, mm-hmm. wh- why can't you have a one of those ones several <laughs> years ago against what was it? The Panthers on right, Thursday, Thursday night, uh, Thursday night, like 50 something, you know, just you coasting through it and all like that. Uh, I mean, it just just an ugly win but it 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 counts and you know there's so many you wonder if the the nasty uh injury to Nick Chubb I mean it obviously played a part in this game I mean you have to wonder uh what the outcome would have been had, had Nick Chubb you know stayed in that game and all like mm-hmm. that but uh I don't know where, where, where do you want to start on this I mean defense right I mean the defensive mm-hmm. plays Watt and Highsmith uh huge games for those two uh I think you had even said you know last week that uh uh uh, uh Jarek Wills you know oh, Highsmith has had some good games I think you've got to even a post on the site somewhere from last time he, he faced him you know just how, how he's kind of owned him we kind of wondered if Watt would uh wear uh, uh Dewan Jones like a hat and uh, but the, you know, two two big defensive plays in this game obviously uh, was was the uh, key factor, along with some long field goals from boy Boz's back. Uh, mm-hmm. at least, you know, uh, uh, through two games and some good punting, which you, uh, I think said was going to be kind of a, uh, one of the major keys to this game, uh, field position, but, uh, the rest of it in between was, was, ugly, <laughs> was, was, was ugly. Yeah, I think there's three three reasons why Pittsburgh won this game, just broadly speaking. A, special teams trying to gain an edge there. I said that was going to be the critical component. Field position, winning close games, probably not you know pretty games overall. Can you flip the field? Can you hit some 50-yarders? Harvard and Boss did a good job with their uh, you know job descriptions overall. Defensively, I thought the one area Pittsburgh had the advantage on paper in this game was through edge rushers against the tackles, Highsmith against Wills. And Watt against Jones. Now Watt saw a ton of attention, but still made plays, swatting passes, recovering that fumble. Highsmith, a big impact play there. And then, frankly, the third reason why they won, Dave, and, and you said it well on, on I guess, it was Friday show or Monday show, history. 
just history says the Pittsburgh Steelers do not lose on Monday night. And history says the Cleveland Browns do not come into Pittsburgh and win. And history says the Steelers don't lose back-to-back home games in week one and two. And history says the Browns don't start 2-0. and Has not happened since 93. That streak endures. It goes on. And so I think it's just the football justice of the world willing and propelling this team to an seemingly improbable victory. Trends, baby. <laughs> Gotta love them. Uh, yeah, they're trends until they're no longer trends, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, look, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, you know, an interesting environment on Monday Night Football and, and everything that goes along uh, with that. But uh, uh, God bless them. They tried to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Both teams did in this one, but yeah, to stick with the defense, it was the splash plays. And it's not that defense was amazing or perfect or dominant. They certainly weren't. They had a ton of miscues in this game. Run defense remains a major concern. Cleveland ran for a buck ninety-eight. And your right had Chubb not suffered that just horrific and just super unfortunate injury. He's he's probably running for a buck ninety-eight himself in that one. They could not stop him. So uh, that that's still a glaring issue, but you saw the splash defensively, the star players making big moments or big plays in big moments. That was the key in this one. Yeah, it was uh, for for sure. And you know, obviously had a uh, had a, had a had a big uh, uh, offensive touchdown play in that. Boy, was that good to see some uh, boy. Uh, uh, George Pickens has got some yards after the catch, doesn't he? Literally, almost has as literally almost has as many yards of yak this year than he had all of last year. He's got 80 through two games this year, had 104 his entire rookie season. Obviously, much of that coming on that chunk play. Yeah, it's just one play, but that's the stuff you want to see from him. The double explosive plays, putting the ball in the end zone. So, uh, yeah, that was there weren't many bright spots offensively, but at least when they hit, they hit big. And look, uh, that that play, you know, there obviously Kenny, you know, had had his struggles uh, in this game. Uh, I thought he really uh, uh, did a good job on that play. And uh, who was it? Uh, who, who's the uh, former player that broke that down? I'm, I'm drawing. Oh, Acho. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he did a good job of breaking that down. I mean, right after it happened, and how you know cover cover three situation, and how uh, you know obviously the route combinations played a part in it. But Kenny looked looked over to his left and played a part in moving you know that linebacker out out of the window, and then getting that safety to dive down and, and vacate the middle of the field. And good route by uh, by by George Pickens and uh, Kenny had some pressure coming at him. He took took a pretty big hit on that play. Uh, delivered that football and. You know, what have we been talking about? Get these, get get the ball to these players out in space running and let them go from there. And that was just another is or that was for you, know, not another, uh a good to see uh uh those the an instance instance such of that uh happening there. Yeah, it was. And I think that's the other theme of the day is Pittsburgh didn't hit big often, but when they did, they really hit big. I mean, it's triple sevens on the uh, slot machine where it's the touchdowns from Highsmith and from Watt and the touchdown to pick in. So it was a lot of ugly 90% of the time, but the other 10% was fireworks. Right. So to stick with the defense here, um, yeah, the positives, the edge rushers. What, what were the combined stats? You had to tweet about that, oh, I think, yeah. Watt and Highsmith in this one. I mean, it was it was gaudy stuff. I don't know the exact numbers, but obviously really, really impressive performances. Uh, let's see. I just had it pulled up here. Uh, Watt and Highsmith combined to have 11 total tackles, two sacks, three tackles for losses, two passes defense, six quarterback hits, one forced fumble, one pick six, one scoop six. And a part, uh, okay. Uh, it was coming. That was uh, a lengthy rundown there for sure. But glad to have that uh, kind of list there because Pittsburgh needed every single one of those plays. So, yeah, I mean, from the first snap of the game, you get the Highsmith pick six. He drops in the coverage. That ball gets tipped. A bit of a misfire from uh, Deshaun Watson to Harrison Bryant to tight end. And Highsmith uh, makes the play there. And so, Again, there was a lot of bad in between. This run defense stay still super concerning. I mean, Nick Chubb was running at will, and even Jerome Ford. How do you allow him to cut back on that one? Mental errors, missed tackles, blown assignments, the whole gamut of issues were shown in this game and through two weeks, and it is just two weeks, but still... Pittsburgh statistically has the worst run defense in football. Yeah, look, uh, that's that's where you start when you talk about uh, 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 you know cleaning this stuff up on that side of football there and. Yeah, once again, you have to wonder if Nick Chubb State, you know, doesn't suffer that unfortunate injury. Because man, the yards after contact that dude was getting, 
mm-hmm. uh, early in that game. And then uh, you have a, uh, uh, once again, you have another player trying to do too much in in uh, Levi Wallace on that. How did they let that cut back? Mm. And, I mean, I understand Le- what Levi's thinking. There. I'm going to go chase up, you know, uh, over the top. And I, I guess that's fine once he gets going. I, I understand in theory what Levi was trying to do, but, but in the flip side, you know, your first and foremost thing is you can't let anything cut back. Yeah, do and your then, job. Right, right. And you get people trying to do more than their job and and help out, which, I mean, once again, I, I, I kind of understand where his head was at. He probably thought it was already going to leak out that other side there. But, but you know, when it gets past you on, 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 you know, on a cutback on your side, that's on you. So uh, don't let that happen to you and let other people on that other side do their job there. So obviously a huge, huge play in the game and man, the missed tackles on that play to uh, what was it in Joku? And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, that's just one instance that, 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 that sticks out. I mean, the yards uh, until they really kind of settled down in that second half. And even, even so there was, I think a couple of plays after that where, where there's some yards after uh, first contact and all like that. Uh the, my main takeaway on the defense is is they've they've got to do better job with these with these run fits, uh, and when they do do a, a good job on these run fits, they you know somebody's got to make the tackle because there's just too many yards after after first contact. Uh, there were some instances where a couple of those guys get blown up off the ball. I thought it was a very up and down game for a guy like Mon- Montrevious Adams. Like you see him, some of his stuff in the pass rush, it looked good. Uh, then you see other times in the run defense, him getting blown back and really was the case up front with, with, with most of them. I think you could probably say that uh, about Larry Ogunjobi, who I thought really as a pass rusher uh, mm-hmm. play, played played well uh you know uh, uh, uh like like uh Montrevious did in some instances in the pass rush there pass rush obviously not not concerned about this team especially when they get in these the in these situations where they can pin their ears back but yeah you got to be concerned about this uh this run defense uh right now our Josh Carnaby working overtime on the missed tackles report this week. It, it might have been 20 in this game. I don't know what it was, but it was a horrendous number overall. And, and and you're right. I mean, you know, to get blown off the ball, that's one thing. It's You can't have that, but you kind of expect that because that's the Browns' MO. And, and without Cam Hayward, I didn't expect Pittsburgh to be super stout at the point of attack. But the number of plays in which Pittsburgh had their running back dead to right. So Nick Chubb, before he got hurt, Jerome Ford, of course, on that 69-yard cutback. I mean, if, if you just do your job on those couple of plays, you, you cut down the, the rushing yards Cleveland has by probably almost half. You take away the 69-yarder. I mean, there was a couple of plays where Chubb had nothing, gets five, gets 10 yards out of right. it, stuff that you just can't have. So even if you, you still leave all the other just you know, kind of getting out-muscled, out-physical moments in the run game, and if you just you do your job and finish some of those plays that you had stopped initially, your run defense looks you know 10 times better. So So that's really concerning issue that must be fixed when you're going to face another really, really talented running back in Josh Jacobs in week number three. Yeah, look, and we know, you know, Josh Jacobs didn't have a great game. Really, the Raiders offense didn't have a great game outside of maybe that that early drive against the Bills there. But uh, this is a team that's obviously going to look at the tape of the Steelers and try to duplicate uh, 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 what the Browns did there. So uh, that that uh, as a whole through two two games right now, that's to me, that's the most concerning part is the uh, is the run defense, and I think that's that's a captain obvious statement. Yeah, but if you're going to have those all those issues, which they did, you better create the splash. And four turnovers is a good way to try to cancel out allowing a buck ninety eight on the ground. Um, let's talk secondary here. I thought again, Wallace, poor night. Peterson, not quite as bad as last week or Wallace this week, but still unable to contest and finish some of these plays, had that one of those missed tackles on the David Njoku short catch and long run that you referenced earlier. How about the rookie, though? Joey Porter Jr. coming up large, you know, playing more snaps, same role, but but same, but more opportunity in this one, dime packages, you know, third and long, end of half, end of game type stuff. Had that breakup on, I believe, Elijah Moore on that first drive or the first full drive that the Browns had after the, uh, the pick six there. And then, of course, the, the sticky man coverage, the forced incompletion on fourth down, the final play of the game for Cleveland. So that's the guy playing, you know, well, actually the first one was kind of more off coverage, but both of them, you know, showing his length, his ability to finish in two high level plays and key moments. I think you just said there showed his length. You know, uh, I think that think that was a big thing that showed up on a couple of those plays there. 14 plays in total. He doubled what he played uh, last week. They obviously had him in more, uh, 
And Mike Tomlin said, look, it's going to be dependent on, on, you know, game situations down a distance. And we kind of knew that heading into this one, but I, yeah, I think we're getting close a lot. Uh, I think we took another step forward, especially with the way kind of Levi played, uh, uh, in, in this game, we, we took another step forward to, to, uh, getting closer to, to Joey Porter taking over, uh, uh, spot outside. And I know Pittsburgh wants to ease him in and he's still unrefined and raw in a lot of ways. And I get that. I'm not being critical for them not playing Porter more, but I would say whenever you're the dime package guy, you're always playing in high leverage situations. It's always third and six plus it's end of game. So although it's 14 snaps, I mean, they're 14 really weighty snaps. Hopefully that allow him to grow up pretty fast and continue to build upon what he did last night. Yeah, Wallace didn't play. Well, the issue is, though, Porter has primarily been a left corner, and he's really not played much right corner with Pittsburgh, and that's where Wallace plays at, and they probably don't want to flip Peterson over to that right side. So unless you're going to do something with Peterson, it may be harder to get. I mean, you, you could start Porter there, but it's just something he's not done a ton of in his time with the Steelers. Look, Peter's it, uh, 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 Pat Pete's you know, experienced over on that other side. You know, um, uh, Just move him. Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, but he's not looked terribly better. And right. I don't know how, you know, he might, he's obviously, I guess, more comfortable on the left side because Wallace was, I think, bumped over from left corner to right corner uh, this year. So we'll see. But here and now, Porter making plays in big moments. And hopefully that continues. On a short week like this, uh, playing Sunday night, you're probably going to, this probably isn't the week that you're going to see Porter in there uh, as mm-hmm. a starter. Probably going probably to continue that. Probably yeah. uh, more than likely. Uh, to the buy, and then you come out of the buy with, with with Porter possibly. Right. And what was the actual stat line for Watson? How many passing yards did Pittsburgh allow? Not that that's the sale end all, but it's not like they really got truly torn up passing wise last night. Correct. Yeah, but uh, uh, Watson he didn't he didn't look good uh, either. Let's see, uh, passing net uh, two hundred and ten yards was the net. Watson passed for two thirty five. One touchdown, uh, one 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 interception there, and he he left some throws out there on the oh, field. Yeah. And then the Steelers made it. You know, uh, uh, Channing Sullivan had a nice uh, rush off the edge where he wasn't able to get get home, but he got those hands up and prevented. That was uh, right there at the end. That ended up being a pretty big play overall because of the string of things that happened right after as well too. I believe that was a first and ten situation around the Steelers. I don't know 40, 40 something right there. And and if 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 if, if Sullivan doesn't get get a piece of that that's that's an easy completion and it gets right right down there in field goal range now obviously you don't know what's going to transpire uh, uh after after that but i mean it kind of set off kind of because it didn't have like a fault start or hold or something uh, uh like that it set off a chain of events where uh uh, uh moved, moved the browns way back you're right i mean cooper was wide open and i think that play gets forgotten about because you're getting that stupid you know, double box there. And with the Panthers game, why were they showing both games? I I, I want to watch the Panthers game. I'll go change the channel and watch right. the Panthers and Saints play. And they were, you know, if you want to do that for a second before a play starts fine, but not during plays, what a, what a frustrating experience that was. It, it was, it was, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Watson, Watson obviously wasn't sharp, uh, in this game either there that, that, that played into the Steelers hands. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he certainly left plays out there on the field in six sacks. I mean, no, nobody gets pressure like Pittsburgh does against Cleveland. I have the stat. Over their last 17 meetings, Pittsburgh has sacked the Browns 82 times. I mean, it's just unbelievable some numbers there, no matter who the quarterback is or the offensive line, whatever the case is. Pittsburgh just knows nothing else but the sacked Cleveland Browns. Yeah, uh, defensively, obviously, Alex Highsmith, a good game. Uh, I thought T.J. Watt had a good game, uh, obviously. Uh Demonte Casey played okay. Golden for the time that he was in there. Uh, what did he have? 19 total snaps. I thought Marcus Golden played well. Uh, ooh, who else? Uh, pass rush wise, uh, once again, I think uh, uh, Ogan Joby uh, uh, had obviously some good snaps. I thought there was a couple of good ones from uh, from from uh, Montravius Adams. Uh, Leal's going to get fined, by the way, he had a sack, but he's going to get fined for mm-hmm. that face mask. They, uh, uh, they didn't call a flag on that. Did they? I don't think they did. They uh, didn't. They should have though. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably going to get fined on that. Uh, Porter, obviously, uh, in, 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 in coverage on a couple of those, uh, snaps there. Uh, but 
to, to look at that unit top to bottom, you know, you'd have to grade it out probably, I don't know, what, C, C minus? Yeah, I mean, you had, you know, a little bit of good and a lot of bad, but the good really was necessary. You're not winning that right. game without the defense creating its blast. So I don't know what grade to put Maybe to a it. B minus because they produced the points that they did, or probably <laughs> even a B plus because they produced uh, the the uh, the points they did. But uh, uh, without without those, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a total, obviously, a totally different game. Yeah different tone today yeah the marvin leal's first nfl sack will cost them i don't know eight grand or something so is it worth it probably but that's going to be the uh the, the nfl sending him their congratulations for his first nfl sack uh dave anything else there quickly from the defense i think yeah, overall you know got the job done a lot of bad but enough splash to mitigate the, the mistakes yeah they uh they definitely have enough tape to look at and uh and and, and work on and mike tomlin said as much on on, on tuesday during his press conference and so do we. Let's uh, before we get into the offense, we should backtrack a bit, talk injuries because this game just a bloodbath overall. Speaking defensively, of course, going to mention here Minka Fitzpatrick, who uh, left with a chest injury, was taken to the hospital, uh, released I, I guess earlier this morning, and so he's back in the facility, um, basically cleared okay. But that's the most notable injury. Although Mike Tomlin said the doctors, everyone feels good about his status going forward, so I think there's a good chance Minka's going to play. In this one, other injuries, of course, the Nick Chubb injury, Kevin Stefanski, not official, but all but official that Chubb's going to be out the rest of the season. Just hopefully he can come back for 2024 for Pittsburgh, Landon Roberts, a stinger, uh, Gunnar Olszewski with the concussion. Uh, that was a you know bad night all around for Olszewski. Obviously, some other bumps and bruises. I'm sure Pittsburgh's initial injury report on Wednesday is going to be CVS receipt long, but uh, Minka, Gunner, the, the two ones to really watch right now. Yeah, Gunner played one offensive snap and how many special team snaps? One too many. Uh, well, you can say that about offense too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, w- w- uh, uh, when it comes to that, boy, we really have buried the lead here. Why don't you back up and tell people about the moves that happened prior to the game? Yeah, there was just so much to talk about. I kind of wanted to jump right on in. But yeah, Pittsburgh placing two players on injured reserve on Monday prior to kickoff. That is wide receiver Deontay Johnson and running back Anthony McFarland. They're going to miss the next four weeks, four games of action. They will not be eligible to return until the team comes out of their bye for week seven against the Los Angeles Rams. So we were hoping Johnson would at least avoid IR, you know, assuming he was going to miss this game and probably one or two more. But now he's going to be out the next four. And I had the the quip that if Anthony McFarland didn't have bad luck, he would have no luck at all because this guy, unfortunately, good summer, you know, finally gets an opportunity for week one, and now he's out the next month. I wonder if that has some sort of meniscus or flap or you know whatever that he's got to get uh, get fixed there. Uh, we know better than to speculate that far ahead uh, uh, and, and think that we're in the all clear. Uh, not a lesson learned, I think, by us there thinking, oh, okay, he didn't go on IR. Uh, early in the week, uh, <laughs> both those guys, Johnson, I, I was kind of thinking, well, at least he hadn't been placed on IR mm-hmm. yet. That's a good sign. Shame on me. I know better than that. Uh, uh, I'll do my damnedest not to not to let that happen and always caution that uh, we'll find out for sure by whatever the deadline is to uh, to 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 make the moves b- uh, before a game there. So, yeah, uh, not going to have you. And, you know, obviously you hope uh, Deontay's a guy that you can get back right after the bye. But I kind of wonder about McFarlane if this is this, you know, because you know, didn't Leal have some sort of cleanup or something last year that yeah, meniscus. That, uh, that, that, that cost him uh, four, five, six games or something like that there. Uh, but uh, and then uh, you got the Olison call up. And right now this uh, this team and Olison dressed that the. Uh, uh, the way the roster uh, moves uh, wound out there, it meant you know, the Steelers only needed four inactives for the Monday night game. They went into the game with just a 52-man active roster uh, overall. And I, I, I kind of thought this week, the, you know, once all those moves were made, it made it real easy to pick who those four were. They were obviously uh, uh, Mason Rudolph, uh, Desmond King, uh, Dylan Cook, and who's the other one I'm missing there? Uh, oh, Des Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Right, right. Who's now official in the 53, but did not dress. Now, Olison, correct, is, was just a true elevation. He's now back on the practice squad, correct? I thought he was signed, wasn't he? I believe the Steelers said he was going to revert back to the practice squad. If I can, I don't know if I can pull up the uh, actual post here, but I believe it's actually just a uh, an elevation that does not make him part of the official 53-man roster. Okay, I forgot the details, details, details. Make sure you always look at the details here. Uh, let's see what they have I here. Do. 
get you that post. I know uh, they wrote about it at least on their team site. Uh, they didn't even put that in on on the. I'm gonna have to go look at the press release real quick here on that. See how that reads because they didn't even yeah. put that on the team trans on, on Steelers.com. Well, no, it says on Steelers.com the team also elevated running back Quadri Olison from the practice squad. He will revert back to the practice squad following the game. That's from oh, Teresa okay. Marley. So. Let me double check what the uh, NFL site says. On yeah, that. make sure that because maybe some wires got crossed. Obviously, it's a little chaotic right now, especially coming off this game. But that seems to be, you know, they could obviously elevate him going forward for the next two weeks right. and just kind of have that floating spot. Yeah, it is weird. They're only at, I guess, technically 51 man roster right now, but maybe they're going to, they wanted to use this game to see what injuries they may have as opposed to signing a guy and then having to shuffle the roster again if stuff happened this game that uh, would require more roster moves. Uh, let me look at the transactions real quick from the NFL. There's the injured reserve and fill some time for me here. But yeah, Allison did not play offensively. I don't know how many snaps he had on special teams, maybe a couple, I'm sure, but I can try to pull that up when you're, uh, looking up the exact uh, standard, standard elevation. Okay. So it was a standard elevation with him. So he will revert. Okay, so again, could be called up again. They could kind of float that spot. We'll see what their plans are for week number three. Um, I think that was all the no Fahoko getting elevated. Maybe a bit surprising, but I guess their thought was probably wouldn't have been active anyway with all the other six defensive linemen getting the hat on and Watts dressing in this game. Um, yeah, Olszewski dressing briefly. Let's talk about that for a moment here, Dave. You had the uh, kickoff there that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why he's fielding that one. Just a horrible decision all the way around. And then his next offensive snap and only offensive snap gets popped, gets concussed, fumbles, just a chaotic play all around and a miserable day for Gunnar Wolchewski. Yeah, it was uh, most definitely yeah, uh, not not to be in his defense, but did he make a football move? Yeah, I barely even know what a football move is anymore at this point. Um, I thought it was at least I didn't think there was enough to. I didn't, I didn't think ruling. I didn't think there was. I didn't think it was. And look, mm-hmm. I, I try. You know me. I'm not afraid to go on the yeah. other side. You know, if, if I if I thought yeah that that you know that that was a a football move and a, and a fumble, I'd, I I'd call it that. But I went back and looked at that a few more times, and I, I'm not I'm not convinced that he really made a football move there, and that that shouldn't have been ruled an incomplete pass, but. Uh, <laughs> what a wacky play that was. Mm. Yeah. Then you had Frymuth hawking down. I think whoever recovered it, dope it and fumbles again and the ball flying around. I mean, that just kind of is emblematic of how this game went for both sides. Was that, right. that wasn't the one at the end of the first, uh, the, uh, uh, the fumble was the one at the end of the first, first quarter that we ended up going back in time, didn't we? That was right around there because you had the fourth down review with the challenge that Tomlin won. Hey, congrats to Tomlin winning his first challenge since I think 2020. And uh, that took an hour to review that. And then right after that, I think the ensuing Steelers offensive play was that fumble that Gunner had and they're reviewing that. Olszewski's hurt. And I think they literally, literally ran one or two plays in 10 minutes of that game. Right. So it was an extra late night for the Steelers Depot crew. Um, let's flip over to the offense now, Dave. And, Again, where to begin with this one? Probably start with Kenny Pickett, who had the occasional, you know, good throw that that strike to George Pickens in the face of pressure. Kudos to him. But Kenny Pickett, Dave, looking rough for the second straight week, and the run game wasn't there, and that's to his in this offense's detriment. But it's not like they got behind the way they got behind in week number one. And so Pickett has been—I don't know what's what's wrong with him, Dave, but he's not the guy that we saw at the end of last year or in the preseason. Is he trying too hard? Uh, because when he does things right, they look really good. When it uh, the few you know, the, the times, I mean, he had a great throw over there to what the right side. Who was it? Uh, Calvin Austin mm-hmm. uh, over there. I mean, he you know it's not like he 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 uh, didn't make any throws in this game. But I, I think the biggest thing once again is the decision making. Uh, and and it wasn't like he was down uh, twenty points in this game either. You know. Uh, the decision-making, some of the accuracy issues, uh, uh, forcing some footballs where he has no business doing it. Uh, yeah. there's a part of me. I mean, once again, you go back to that touchdown on, on, uh, uh to Pickens. I, I thought, I mean, that net throw to Austin, I mean, two, two best plays of, of the game. I, I thought he did a good job of looking off, uh, the, uh, the, the middle of the field to, to help, uh, get, uh, Pickens, uh, time to, to get there to that vacated spot, obviously put it you know, on, on the money there. Uh, just, 
I just part part of me just wonders if he's just you know trying too hard. And, and Daniel Olszewski even said on Pat McAfee earlier uh, this afternoon, uh, he 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 gets the feeling, and I and I haven't gone through you know I've I've just uh, raced through the TV tape and and partial of the all twenty two. Uh, Dan says, why is he throwing everything like a hundred trying to. Uh, throw everything like 102 miles an hour. Now I, I, I can't confirm or deny that. I haven't looked, but I mean, it's something I'm, I'm, I am going to look at uh, moving forward there. I mean, it's almost like he's trying to uh, will things in, 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 you know, will certain throws, if you will. Yeah, I really can't pinpoint it. I know Pittsburgh tried to utilize the middle of the field quite a bit in this game, a lot of slants and in-breaking routes. It's going to require some more velocity with how aggressive those Browns DBs tend to be. And, you know, I think, He's just got some tunnel vision, to be honest with you, Dave. I don't think he's seeing the field well. I don't think he's going through his reads like he should be. I think he's kind of locking on to things and trying to, to force stuff. That was evident on the interception where he's staring down um, his, his target. I believe that was Pickens. And Delbert, you know, he's not in man. They they kind of fake a, a man look pre-snap and they drop into zone and never sees Delbert and, and picks him off. And not the worst throw he made of the day was out of the second half when he's rolling out and the play's dead and he just chucked that one into the third row and, call it a day and he tries to or I don't know if he's trying to throw it away or throw it to Najee or what he was doing but that should have been picked by by McLeod the uh the safety there so I mean to me it's just one of those moments where it's like you know Kenny this is this is ABC routine stuff routinely type stuff what are you doing man and I you know obviously I don't think it's a preparation standpoint mm-hmm. I, I you know I, I believe he's putting in all the work I just uh I think sometimes he's just not seeing what he uh, and that's another thing that Dan or Orlovsky had said and look say say what you will about you know uh half half the people listening probably love Dan Orlovsky half the people listening probably hate him but he has played the position you know uh uh in the NFL so so the, 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 there obviously is some level of of, of credibility there. Uh, but he, one of his main takeaways is he, he just doesn't uh, think Kenny's seeing the field very well and, yeah. and, and trusting maybe what he's seeing or not coached up good enough to identify certain things, I guess, you know, but I mean, so, some of these situations, though, you would think that uh, he he would be, be able to at least diagnose the coverage on, you know. Yeah, he's supposed to be that cerebral, accurate quarterback and again i don't know why this is but he's got tunnel vision right now i think that much is 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 obvious to say at least based on on my read of it but i got to go through the all 22 and and all that so biggest stories for the pittsburgh's offense and pittsburgh steelers offense in this game kenny pickett and of course matt canada more offensive struggles more questionable play calling the third and one option shovel whatever that was perimeter runs to nowhere and had a fire canada chant after that failed third and one in that fourth quarter. We'll talk about Mike Tomlin more here in, in a couple of moments, but said he appreciated the passion that Steelers Nation showed. I don't know if Canada appreciated it as much as Tomlin did, but that Canada seat still, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's warm because he's, he's going to be the OC, but the, uh, the the criticism is as strong as ever towards him. Boy, what a call that was, right? Uh and uh, Dan Orlovsky also chimed in on that and says, well, you just, you just give that, you know, if it's a, if it's a, uh, if it's a choice situation there for, for, for Kenny, just hand the ball off to Najee and he gets it. I, I'm not, you know, uh, we obviously don't, don't know for sure. That looked designed to me the whole way. Yeah. They've run that stuff before. There's a couple, there was a couple more wrinkles to this one, but they've run that tight end shovel option, which is one component of that play. They've done that a million times under different OCs too. So what what do you what do you think the what do you think the primary do you think that if he reads that differently he he makes a, a different decision or do you think that was a keeper all the way? No, I think there's like a bunch of different elements on that play. I mean, you had and you I don't know exactly what's stressing. You had a tight end coming across a little mm-hmm. bit late to for 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 the kick out kick out you know uh, there. Uh, I mean, Austin's jetting across. There's a potential handoff to Najee, Washington on the shovel, and then Pickett could keep it, I guess, if, if all else fails. And to me, it might have been just too messy of a play call. There's just too many things going on for a simple right. third and one. But I understand if it, if it you had, you had the end, You had the end crashing down on the inside. So if that's like a read option, you're going to re- obviously read off that. But you also had that uh, inside linebacker scraping up over the top of, uh, of the side. So, uh <laughs> It 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 see unless you would have found a way to block that guy, I'm not even sure you get outside of that. You know. 
Yeah, I got to look at it again. I know they ran some variations similar earlier in the game, so I got to go back into the all 22. I've not even touched it yet. I got to, you know, compare and contrast. And and so, I mean, I, I didn't like the call. I, I, I'm probably a little less angry about it than others just because we've seen them do this stuff before. And of course, if it works, then everybody's happy about that. Uh, the thing that frustrated me the most from a play call standpoint, just watching it live, was all these perimeter runs. Dude, you're not going to run perimeter on Cleveland. They're playing five down fronts. They got super athletes on the edges and Garrett, Darius Smith. You got JOK, who's one of the fastest sideline to sideline linebackers in the NFL, just blowing everything up. Why are you trying to run so many perimeter runs? I know the run game in general was not successful, but you're not going to bounce these to the outside and expect any better results. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously you had some success uh, at times when, when, when Warren was in there, but I mean, as a whole, this, this I thought the identity was bully ball and we're going to get it. We were going to get excited about this team running the football. I mean, they're running the football better second half of last year, uh, way better than, oh, way better uh, than, than, uh, obviously they, 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 they've run through, uh, two games. So they, they can't run for squat at least. And you know, that you had another explosive play, but you just, there's no consistency there. Mike Tomlin talked about that today. All the negative plays, man, mm-hmm. uh, that puts you into situations. If you do run on first down, you get a, a zero gain or a negative play, then you're, you're obviously uh, committed to throwing the football in that situation. They just snowballs and you got a quarterback that's struggling. Uh, you, you set yourself up for, 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 for disaster. They, I tell you what, uh, I mean, and, and you know, this, it, this is obvious. They got it. Uh, I lost my mojo, baby. Another <laughs> uh, thing Mike Thomas said, they better first and foremost, figure out the mojo of that running game. And then, uh, uh, and then obviously, uh, you know, w- within that, you better find out the mojo, what's going on with, 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 with Kenny. I know it's impossible to quantify, but I think Mike Tomlin actually said it really well at the onset of his presser. This, this offense has no confidence. There is no swagger. There is no, we're going to take it to you kind of mentality. And part of that's obviously based on results. When you're getting your butt kicked, it's hard to have that confidence in that, that swagger, but Pittsburgh has to have that approach and that feeling got to be just more intensity early in this game you know let me see a a pregame huddle these guys getting really uh, amped up and these guys just kind of you know going crazy because there's just not that they don't have that edge offensively Pittsburgh defensively for all their warts they have an edge they have a a level of intensity to them that is creating some of those those big moments offensively I'm not feeling that at all and again that's hard to quantify and and put a a value to but i think it's it's sorely missing for this offense and i think you have missed assignments from obviously from from the offensive lineman in the running game as well too and i think uh baldinger did a good job of uh of 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 highlighting that on that two-point conversion but this team won it didn't even possess the ball in the the red zone which (laughs) normally you'd say okay well there must have been a lot of long explosive plays for touchdown yo uh in there but and and i you know there was the one obviously there but uh uh maybe they 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 moved they'd get an explosive play and then take three steps back you'll have Mm -hmm. a sack sack after that there there, there's no rhythm whatsoever there is you know we talk about identity there 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 is the identity is is that this offense has no identity that's the identity right which was the whole issue the first half of last year which we thought was going to be fixed for this year not that it was going to be perfect and always successful but at least pittsburgh would know who they are and right now two weeks in they're as lost as they have ever been they had their identity the back half of last year it's why they went seven and two down the stretch and now they're basically feeling like they're starting all over in this one so yeah i mean the the, the stats go on and on they had what was the, the stat negative seven yards in the fourth quarter and still won that game coming from behind just crazy stuff they played two games and have not had a first down in the first quarter of either game so far i mean it's 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 comical stuff it's stuff where you know, you're playing the opponent in Madden on rookie mode, just taking it to him because you're bored. That's how this offense looks and feels right now. Boy, you had a hell of a damn stat that you, that I woke up to this morning. <laughs> uh, go ahead and tell the people that uh, uh, compared to uh, based off of just Kenny's raw passing stats. Yeah, uh, this is a stat of the weird for you. Kenny Pickett. Big, first- uh, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, viewer discretion. Is is, is is advised if you if there's small children listening uh or older people with heart conditions uh please 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 be advised okay yeah. uh go all right go ahead alex 
please consult your doctor. And Steel's yeah. Depot is not liable for any injuries and damages caused by the stat of the weird. Right. And your is- your erection probably will won't last <laughs> over four hours. Yeah. This one will kill it here. Where the anti Viagra is this uh, this stat. All right, let's get to it here. <laughs> so we're loopy. This <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe this will make for a great show because maybe people will laugh instead of cry. I don't know. That's what we're here for, I guess. Give uh, it to you- them. I'm trying. Kenny Pickett, the first Steelers quarterback to attempt 30 passes in a game, complete 50% or fewer of them, and still win the game since Kent Graham in oh. 2000, a I think 13 nothing or 15 nothing win over the Cincinnati Bengals. So, yeah, when you're joining Kent Graham, it's not good, Dave. Ooh, kick. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that hurt. That hurt to read that. Uh, this morning. Kenny Pickett's adjusted net yards for passing attempt mm. stat through two games. Don't do it to me, Dave. 3.65. Oh, yeah, that one hurts. That, that hurts just as much as the yeah. Ken Graham stat, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yours, yours really is a kick to the, you know what, though. Yeah, so we get, you know, it just, it has to get fixed here pretty quickly, and Pickett's got to show he can be the guy. You know, we kind of, I think, maybe a little too much assumed that, okay, he's the franchise guy for the next 10 years coming off this rookie season, the way that it ended, the way the preseason looked, we just thought, okay, Kenny's the guy, where's the leap? Where's the jump? Just how big will the jump be? We didn't ask the question, will there be a jump? And I'm as guilty of that as anyone. So I take that on the chin and Kenny turned it around. Absolutely. And he's faced some tough defenses in San Francisco and Cleveland. And there's been no run game. And that is not helpful for any quarterback, especially still a young one like Kenny Pickett. But then I mean, we're kind of at the point where it's got to get better Sunday, like it's not. Let's see how this thing goes. Let's give it some time. Let's show some. Pay. It's got to get better right. now, Dave. Right, because you can't you can't live off of thinking that you're going to score two defensive touchdowns every week. Yeah, it's not going to happen even when you have T.J. Watt and the splash playmakers on this defense. So, I, I thought one interesting thing that that Tomlin said it was a, to me a not so subtle jab at the coaching staff. He talked about this team needing to be more prepared schematically, anticipate schematics, and I noted. Before the game kicked off in our scouting report, the Browns loved that five down, true five down defense alignment front. And it was going to be tough to run on. And Pittsburgh could not run on it. And to me, Tom was basically saying the coaching staff was not equipped to handle what the Browns were doing. Now, 90% of our listeners just went, yeah, no crap. We've known that for a while. Uh, uh, you know, what they're, they're, you know, for everybody that, you know, uh, look, uh, God bless you for spending the money on the paint, and making the signs and, and getting a chance and all like that. But I mean, realistically, I mean, never say never. There's a first time for everything. But you know, we just talked about trends earlier, earlier in the show. I mean, is there anything that leads you to believe another bad, another couple of bad outings like that between now and the buy that this team that Mike Tom would even consider? or uh, uh, making a change in offensive quarter. And then obviously if you did, it's probably going to be Mike Sullivan, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know who else it would be. I mean, Glenn Thomas just got here. I know he's got some experience, but I think it'd be Mike Sullivan. And should Sullivan get some criticism for Pickett's lack of progression? I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, We don't see Sullivan's role as clearly as we do Canada's, but I mean, he's not he's not progressing the way that, that he needs to. So to answer your question, I don't know. I mean, Tomlin made the comment. They're not making any wholesale changes. So Canada, of course, will be the OC for Sunday. If it's a couple more weeks, getting closer to the bye. You know, I think the whole bye week changes are a bit overstated. But when it comes to coaching changes, if you're going to make a change, the bye week is the time to do it. To give yourself as much of a buffer as possible to get integrated with the new OC and play calling, whatever changes around the edges that you're going to make. Not that that the new OC is going to reinvent the entire playbook, but you're going to have a little bit of a, a difference there, obviously. So the the guess, order the order of the boring plays would just be different. <laughs> I mean, to some extent. I mean, I think there's still a game flow and you know things that Canada has not grasped grasped well to uh to, to be a good OC in this league. But you know the players have struggled too. It's not just on Canada. Obviously, Pickett. I just talked about looking horrific when your quarterback is playing as poorly as he is. It's hard for any OC to look good. Yeah, look. It, it, I mean, we said this coming out of the game the other uh, week. One, I mean, th- this is multi-layered here for sure. Everybody's got got a hand in this, and I mean, where, where's your confidence level from what we've seen and know about Matt Canada to this point, and obviously seen from from Kenny uh, last uh, dating back to uh, to 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 week four. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you, I you know, Mike Thomas. Yeah, we will work on it six days. Blah blah blah. Uh, I, there's nothing in my DNA 
right now that will allow me to think that this thing will get astronomically better. Like, you know, uh, running the football will help, but it's still not going to cover all your warts. No, but as you say, don't tell me about the labor pain. Right. Show me the baby. You can we talk about it all. We can talk about it, and that's fine. You can have the best raw raw speech ever, but produce show results. Got to be much better. Right. Should Jalen what? And look, Jalen had a critical mental error in this game too, and pass protection. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Big time sack allowed. Uh, but I mean. On the flip side, he, you know, if you if you're gonna uh, draw out a list of offensive players who who, you know, were at the at the top of the list as far as performance, he'd probably be up there, right? Yeah, up there with Pickens for sure. But I mean, I think he made more of those plays in the pass game than the run game. His right. run stats were what six for twenty. I mean, they were, you know, he's a downhill guy. He's not going to have that negativity that that Najee might be more prone to. But it's not like Warren was really tearing it up in the run game. He had that, you know, actually. I thought the play call to Warren for the 30-yard pickup was a really nice call. You get bunched sure. to the left side. Warren's coming out opposite of that. You can kind of get that natural rub and pick. Really, actually, a solid play call overall, one of the few on the night. But, I mean, Warren is a third down back. I think it's very good. He did miss that protection. That was obviously a very costly error. But um, I don't want to overstate it because it's not like Warren ran for a buck fifty and Harris didn't. I mean, Harris actually right. uh, statistically outproduced Warren had that explosive run for 20-something yards. He's got two explosive runs this year, so they got to block better. I mean, they just couldn't block this one up. Uh, Alex Pat Firemuth has, uh, through two games, two catches for five yards and a touchdown. I think that 60 reception mark might be hard to do Mm. a third year in a row, unfortunately, which would be uh, really cool because it would be a record for him. Uh, Yeah, that that has been very surprising how under, especially without Deontay Johnson, you're not throwing to this guy more. Right, right. I mean, look, I understand people hollering, get the ball to get the ball to pickings and all like that. But I mean, you, you can't do something that, that can get you to football for six yards to Pat Firemuth in this game, three or four times a game. Yeah. I mean, again, I got to watch the tape. Um, I mean, and they've thrown the ball a lot. Uh, they threw it drop back 50 times against San Francisco and 30 something dropbacks in this game against Cleveland. And how many targets does Firemuth even have, let alone receptions? Right. How many targets does he actually I, have? I, I don't know. I, I I about passed out after I saw <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, just the two receptions there. Five uh, targets. Okay, front five targets there. One of them he was cracked in uh, in the chest on. Right, right. So watch that one going forward. Let's talk bright spots here. George Pickens, though, the big 71-yard catch and run showing the yak. Um, again, just kind of the progression of his route tree more than just the vertical guy, which is good because the vertical aspect's been actually non-existent through two games. Teams taking that one away pretty clearly. But showing the yak, I thought him and Pickett had more chemistry in the second half. Pickett finding soft spots against zone, running some corner outs. And so big day for him. What was it? Four catches for a buck 27 in that long touchdown. Yeah, uh, and they they obviously needed uh, needed that uh, passing charts on Kenny real quick. Zero uh, for one on balls more than twenty yards down the field, on throws of ten yards or longer. Looks like he was four of seven with a touchdown in there, uh, and on passes. Uh, uh, Inside of 10 yards or, or two 10 yards, looks like he was three, six, nine, 11 of 21. Ooh, that is 50% almost. It's not the number you want to be from, from that close range. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, you know, the one thing I thought, and I got to watch the tape, and I know the the Browns, I think they, they had a different spin on it, but their philosophy was let's stop the run. You know, play eight man box. Let's let's take away the deep ball, not allow anything over our heads. And and that was the same game plan in San Francisco. But you can't run a sluggo in this one. I mean, they ran so many slants and the Browns were contesting it well. You can't come off of that. Maybe maybe they didn't, and I didn't see it, you know, from the all twenty two view. Maybe the Browns are playing too high a lot. I, I don't know, but I feel like it was a good time to hit a sluggo on that one. Yeah. Uh another guy that stuck out in this game offensively before I forget, uh Calvin Austin, uh, mm-hmm. little, little guy, little guy likes to block, doesn't he? Yeah, he had, and, and kudos to you for mentioning that he was on my winners list because of it. I mean, he had two really key blocks on the Pickens touchdown and then the run where Najee reverse course uh, throwing a block. I mean, that's what does Mike Tomlin say? Big guys run, little guys hit, or, you know, little guys block, all that kind of stuff. New things that aren't typically thought of based on your size profile in Austin. 
you know, so many explosive plays are just made off of guys blocking downfield, second, third level, and Austin was proof of that on both those those plays there. And he obviously had a nice little putt return, I think, in this game to set him up. And but I don't think they did anything with that one, did they? Did didn't they go uh, three? Was I can't remember. Was that the one that they got the touchdown on or not? I can't. I can't remember. What I don't was. remember. Statistically, they probably didn't do anything with it, but I don't. I don't know for sure. Uh, but yeah, even that catch he had on Denzel Ward, a great route, and Pickett threw it on and made a contested catch there. So yeah, a good day overall for Calvin Austin. A lot of little things, and you you appreciate that. Um, that's what, what, if, I did for the what if I told you this, uh, 30 sounds for 30. Like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if I told you miles Garrett had one combined tackle and one quarterback hit in this game and it still wasn't, didn't look like it might be enough. Yeah. I mean, I thought he had a bigger impact than the stats show. I know you got a couple of pressures in there. Should have had the one sack to pick it under through that one and, uh, or un- underhandedly through that one to, to escape it. Uh, I know Dan Moore was graded out really poorly in this game. I don't, again, have not seen the tape on this one. I thought Garrett's impact was more than what the stats may show on the surface, but he didn't define this game. He didn't take over the game. He didn't make the plays the way that Highsmith and Watt did that, that write the headlines. And so right. if you can do that against a guy like Garrett, I think you take that each time. Uh, offensively, I haven't gone through the, the offensive line, but what is your initial thoughts on the offensive line play, uh, as a whole? Yeah, it's tough to judge. I mean, again, obviously run game. I don't know exactly what went wrong, but I can tell you very little went right when you're, you know, slogging along for barely two yards, uh, a carry in this game. Um, I, I thought again, just first glance, and that's the sin of the, the late night game. It's really hard for me to get any sort of jump on the tape there. I didn't feel like there were a lot of miscommunication up front with the pass protection where there were free guys running. There was the, the sack there from Taki Taki that's on Jalen Warren. But given all that Schwartz and this Browns defense will do with stunts and twists and different alignments, I, I thought Pittsburgh handled that well. But I mean, the offensive line, they're not imposing their will the way this offensive line was meant to do. Yeah, it uh, it's it's not great up front there overall. And, and didn't Dan Moore supposedly grade out again as the worst? Uh, the second worst tackle in pass protection of the week, Spencer Burford of, I forget what team he plays for, but it had a 0.0 pass blocking rating. Moore was three and a half. Now, I think Steeler fans are trying to come to Moore's defense and say, listen, Garrett didn't wreck the game the way that Watt and Highsmith did. How does he have such a poor grade? Again, I got to check the tape. I, again, I think Garrett's impact was more than what the, the stats may show, but uh, it's a tough matchup, obviously, and uh, he probably won't see Crosby next week because Crosby will see a core for, but we'll see how more looks with, with a matchup that isn't as elite as the Bosa's and the Garrett's right. world. Right. Uh, let's see. PFF gave him a 30.0 run block grade in this game and a 3.5 pass block grade. So I, it's, I started on a defensive side because obviously uh, there was just more impactful uh, side of the football there. And there were a couple of things I had noted I want to look at and I uh, haven't concentrated on the offensive line play, but that that'll obviously happen in the next uh, 24 hours or so uh, here. Uh, did the Steelers win this game or did the Browns lose this game or <laughs> the age or, old question yeah or is it yes I mean it was a mess it was sloppy it, it's hard to really say confidently either side won it but I think the Steelers playmakers and stars came up larger than the Browns stars now Chubb would have been that guy had he not gotten hurt but Deshaun Watson didn't come up large it was Watt it was Highsmith stepping up so Pittsburgh Pittsburgh, both teams had a ton of lows. Pittsburgh had more highs, though, and that's why they won this game. And I truly believe that the football gods will Pittsburgh to victory just based on the history that you presented throughout the week. <laughs> uh, I wish it was that simple. Uh, Presley Harvin bounced back game. He'll stay around at least another week. Yeah, happy to, to see that. I know there were a couple you know, touchbacks, which Tomlin absolutely loathes and hates, but, but overall, two really key punts, and I thought field position was going to be a critical element of this game. And, and Chris Boswell, this dude is 81% in his career from 50-plus. I mean, this dude is better 50-plus than some kickers are in their entire career from any distance. So to do that and then to do that in Pittsburgh, which I know is not as difficult as it used to be from 50-plus, where it used to be impossible, but to make it look so effortless, um, kudos to him and kudos to Harvin for that mm-hmm. one snap that he corralled and got the operation off cleanly because that one could have been a disaster. All right. What other takeaways we got from what we uh, Cole? Hey, an inside linebacker forced the fumble. Didn't know oh. that was legal. How about that? 
Yeah. So that was Cole Holcomb. And that's that's ball search. They, I mean, you go to training camp, any practice, you always hear defensive coaches, players yelling, ball search, ball search at the end of every single play. And that's him just flying to the ball, punching it out, and uh Pittsburgh getting the recovery there. So that was big. Let's briefly talk, Dave. A lot of chatter about it. I think it's much ado about nothing, but some are saying Minka's tackle on Chubb was dirty. I don't think there's a chance. Oh. Heck, that's a dirty play by Minka Fitzpatrick. No, no, no. That that that's not. I mean, look, you're just trying to be low man in that situation and not get run over. You know, uh, no, that that that's not dirty. I was just, it's it's an unfortunate, uh, just an unfortunate play. You know that 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 kind of stuff happens there. But uh, uh, and no, no, I. Just more, more better Browns fans than anything I think on it. Look, if I if I thought, oh man, he why why do you have to go low on him like that? You know, uh, I I would say it, but uh, no, 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 not dirty at all. No, just, yeah, I'm just, with you. Just very unfortunate. Sure, Mink is not a dirty guy. I mean, got a lot of respect for Nick Chubb, so not dirty, just a very unfortunate outcome there. But Browns fans are obviously upset, and I know they're mad and they're frustrated, and that's a, a core piece to their season. So you're gonna have some some hot takes and some of that frustration boil over but um yeah not dirty in the least right all right Dave. what, what, what about the what about deshaun watson doing his hand uh, uh literally uh uh with, with some face mask in there and then pushing pushing a ref yeah i mean i don't know I, I i don't know why that wasn't flagged and all that kind of stuff i didn't you know focus on that too much but you know he didn't play well for them and they're counting on him to to be the guy and they're going to count on on him more with with Chubb being out and Watson's struggles have have really continued right so uh you know for Pittsburgh and the AFC North i mean there's some some lanes opening up they have a whole lot of work to do on themselves first but the Bengals are 0 and 2 Browns are 1 and 1 losing to Pittsburgh losing Nick Chubb the Ravens are sitting atop this thing at 2 and 0 but you know AFC and the AFC North might not be looking quite as competitive when Aaron Rodgers has gone from the Jets and you know the Bengals in that hole and Burroughs hurt, may not play this Monday night against the Rams. I'm not trying to say anything. Pittsburgh's got so many things to take care of themselves, but you know, it's why the preseason predictions are just statue a couple weeks into the, into a season and the whole complexion of things begins to change. Shame on me for believing in that for falling for it. They got me, Alex. What did they get you on? The, the preseason. Oh, I mean, you know, listen, they got they got half the NFL world. I mean, they look good. It, it is. I, I know it's against some backups, but it's hard to believe that Pittsburgh can look that good in those moments and this bad uh, when the games are live. Look, I mean, I you know, no one understands it more than me that it's preseason there. But uh, and I, I you know, even Tomlin even referenced it. You know, we got to get back to some of the, you know, if he if he didn't give any credence to it, then why would he mention it? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you try to look for anything that spark where you were to remind this team of, of what they were doing, what they're capable of doing. And yeah, some of it came against backups, but they they rolled the Bills starters in that in that second preseason game. Right. So they're, they're, they're not incapable of it. They're not lacking talent to do it. It's just been sloppy. Right. All right, Dave, Mike Tomlin holding his Tuesday press conference. Um, we kind of covered some of the things he had to say there. I really think that comment about the anticipating schematics is a, is a really weighty phrase from him because you rarely hear Tomlin talk about coaching related stuff in a press conference you know all player stuff sure because players kind of listen to that more and that's kind of the message he sends but you rarely hear any sort of a even subtle jab at a, at a coaching uh preparedness comment like like he made today yeah they they know they got issues there for sure yeah talked about putting them in uh better positions to play fast and and what was the what what was the other word he used play fast and uh Forgot what what else he had said. I uh, just anticipate. I think was yeah. the word there. Yeah, then um, he mentioned schematics. You know, it, uh, it's rare for him. To, I mean, he uses uses the word, but uh, uh, and I think we referenced it earlier. They got to do a better job of you know anticipating what the schematics going to be on the other side. Yeah, which is just really a shot at the game plan, not having good tape study. And I mean, I hope Pittsburgh was ready to see five man fronts in this game. If I can figure it out, just man on keyboard, you know, not in the NFL directly can figure it out. Then I hope to God that Pittsburgh can figure this out and have a plan for it. Right. That was kind of it, though. I mean, the rest of it, you know, Tomlin acknowledging we're not making wholesale changes, but two games in a row. Again, I think week one, you can throw week ones out the window and say, listen, it's just the opening game. It's weird, but you have two games where you have patterns, good and bad. That's when storylines really get created. And Pittsburgh's got to 
Gotta, I mean, they, the bottom line is they, they can't run the ball and they can't stop the run. How sustainable is Pittsburgh's model right now, Dave? Not very. Yeah, not very at all. So I mean, that is... they, they have got to figure out this running game. Well, they, I mean, look, once again, their identity is they have no identity. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to me. This offense has not shown any progression. If anything, they've shown regression. When you add more talent, when you're more experienced, you have more continuity, more definition at quarterback. How are you worse? How is it possible to be worse, Dave? Well, there's a commonality there, people will say. Yeah. And, and, and again, they have, I mean, if they can't look better against the Raiders, I mean, you know, you could at least try to say, well, the 49ers have a good defense and the game script and the Browns have a really good front, although you're going to see them twice a year. Yeah, the Raiders are not known for this, this vaunted defense. They, you know, they just got 38 hung on them by Buffalo. So you better be able to do something against them. And you got a short week to try to get it done on too. Uh, and you, and you got to travel and we all yep. know the history of the Steelers out, uh, against the Raiders out West when it comes to that, not a good, uh, track record on, you know, as far as that goes, you gotta, we'll see what happens with Minka. Mike Tomlin didn't go on, uh, other than saying, you know, he's in a good place. I think it was, was the long and short of it. I, I don't think we can sit here and, and guarantee that Minka's going to play Sunday night. Right. No, can't guarantee it, but I feel like he's got a decent chance to do so. This is a guy that wanted to play or what, like not do the appendectomy and go play in a game or whatever it was. I mean, he's a, he's a crazy dude. So obviously they're going to be careful with him, but uh, right now, just my own gut feeling, I think he's going to play against the Raiders. Okay. I, I, I'm a, I've, I've been burned too many times. We'll see how the week progresses here. First injury report out on tomorrow, Wednesday. Yeah, it's going to come pretty quickly here. Uh, I have to mention, I, I just saw the, the article pop back up. Um, Levi Wallace's comment about, you know, Amari Cooper had me run in a track meet. I mean, Cooper had a bad groin in this game. He could barely run. Levi, you can't, you can't get burned by the, uh, the dude with a bad groin. Right, right, for sure. He, he, he didn't take too kindly, I guess, to some of the criticism going on. He's, he's usually a low-key guy, so... Sure. Uh, overall for so that was kind of surprising to see what you know uh he you know him you know saying catch these hands or something like, like that was that. with an instagram yeah, post or something yeah, story yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and all like that. Yeah. You know, obviously he's frustrated. All. I mean yeah. he he's really frustrated to take uh, I think to take the IG like that, you know. You're right. But uh, we'll see if it gets better against the Raiders. We'll see who they have. Jacoby Myers is in the concussion protocol. I know Josh McDaniels said Devontae Adams is good, but you know we'll just keep an eye on that because he's their star receiver. Took that monster shot in that uh, end game against Buffalo. So any other thoughts here, Dave? I know we probably glossed over some stuff. We tried to hit every sort, sort of major talking point overall um, in this crazy, crazy game in the last 24 hours. But any final thoughts here, Dave? Uh, just, I mean, look, we, we told people going to bounce around and, and, and we did, and I think we hit the meat of it. We obviously want to try to get this done in an hour so we can jump on a tape. Cause I, we're going to turn around and talk about this again, what <laughs> on, uh, in, in 24 hours, less than 24 hours. And Cause we're recording this kind of later, uh, after in fact, it, it it's, uh, what? 3 p.m. Eastern time when we're mm-hmm. recording this right now here. So, all right, I, th- I think we got enough on tape. I think we put a better stuff uh, or okay stuff th- uh, down on tape. Yeah, better than maybe how the Steelers offense and defense at many moments last night. Look, do you want to get to a couple of your emails uh, really quickly, Dave? Or what do we have on the, uh, Lord. I'm sure the C's are angry yet again. <laughs> I can imagine it's Canada related, picket related, and not unfair questions to ask and frustration to vent, but. I'm sure that's the bulk of the email machine today. Uh, Justin, the one thing I cannot stand while watching football games is a lack of effort. Levi showed lack of effort, blah, blah, blah. A couple plays, including the, the, the long run. I know he said after the game that it was a gas due to Amari Cooper, but that uh, long 69-yard run was the second play from scrimmage coming out of the half. He has to be better. Also, don't you have to have Dr. Mel diagnose uh What's wrong with Kenny? He, uh, he, oh, you don't have to have Dr. Mel diagnose what's wrong with Kenny. He's got a classic case of yips, Justin writes. It kind of reminds me of Boswell's struggles. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it does look at times he's pressing, though, and, and point taken on Levi Wallace coming out of the half. Got to be better, better than that. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Richard Jameson, what what is a chest contusion? What is the recovery like? How might it affect the career of a football player who got one? I think Dr. Mel going to write something up on that. 
yeah, she's going to have something. I'm not sure exactly when, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, but she'll explain it. And uh, again, I think Minka's going to be be okay. I mean, the hospital thing, I know it sounds scary. I was not personally super alarmed by it. It's fairly standard procedure for this stuff. And so um glad he's okay. Glad he's back with the team. Precautionary, as Mike Tomlin made it clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, George O'Dottery back in with us. Hello, George. Uh, he says, Dear David Knox, I hope you are as, are as excited about the win as I am. Uh, you do have to feel for the Browns. So first, they spent all this money on a quarterback who then went out, put the, put the game on his shoulders, and a single-handedly handed the game to the Steelers. This was presumably with his left hand as his right hand was stuck in the Steelers' face mask. Uh, then he spent all of his money on – they spent all all of his, this money on new D.C. whose defense couldn't keep the Steelers' outside linebacker uh, out of the end zone. <laughs> uh, that's cute. He says that he spent all that money on uh, – on Schwartz and he couldn't keep the Steelers outside linebackers out of the end zone uh, uh, there. Uh, I, I see what he's, how he's trying to be funny there. Thanks. And as always, big fan of your website and podcast there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Daniel, happy victory Tuesday. Oh Lord. He's got a long one here. First of uh, website ESPN keeps highlighting the last night's scoop and score was Watts first NFL TD. It is in fact, his second, as I'm sure you both aware of, his first came in a playoff loss uh, to the Chiefs. I think probably they're 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 probably referencing regular season TD. Yeah. Then uh, maybe things like that shouldn't annoy me. Uh, second, and this question is for Alec with Pickett's early season accuracy struggles. I'm thinking that maybe we are witness to some fool's goal gold in the preseason games. Uh, sure, he looked awesome in the 15 attempts he had across those three games, but that was just a serendipity. This uh, collection of good throws we saw in training camp practices. How did he look overall? Did you spot any tells? Uh, basically, he wants to know how, how he looked in the preseason without without going too deep into this. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean uh, training camp. Sure. No, nothing like he's looking now. I, mean, I thought his camp was fine. Not like it was spectacular or amazing. I thought the in-stadium work was better, and you saw a real progression there. So nothing happened in camp that would indicate he was going to look like the way he looked the first two weeks. Troy writes in, obviously, Matt Canada should be fired, but uh, are we going to acknowledge that our offensive line has been bad since week one of last year? Could Pat Meyer be fired alongside uh, Matt Canada? Of last year, it's been bad for a couple of years, but I get your point about Pat Meyer's hiring. I mean, I'm not in the real headspace to say firings and all that. I think Meyer's done a good job overall trying to build this line up. They, they've shown progression. Obviously, the run game stuff has been been a real mess and that honestly probably falls more on Meyer than it does uh, coach Canada um but you know he's not getting fired now obviously let's let the season play out and see how things look come January all right uh we're we're, we're about an hour here and there, there's a lot of obviously you know we understand that the, the Canada emails and all like that but uh uh, it's been a, it's been a long night and morning for us so far. So we, uh, wanted to try to keep this uh, at an hour. We'll try to hit on some more of these, uh, emails, uh, after getting through the, uh, the Wednesday show there. Okay, Alex. Yeah, that sounds good to be back tomorrow. We'll talk about all 22, some players, more thoughts and, uh, talk to you guys soon. All right. Uh, in the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button up right navigational bar and follow the directions that way. So uh, we'll talk to everybody uh, on Wednesday. So as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.